Welcome to the Wright Family Law Divorce Podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Wright, attorney, author, entrepreneur, and motivational speaker. This is the Wright Family Law Divorce Podcast. Let's get started. Hi, welcome to episode 14 of the Wright Family Law Divorce Podcast. Today we have Doreen Kay, who's going to talk about her experience, strength, and hope with untying the complexities between divorce and alcoholism. Doreen is a former client of mine and a really good friend, and she's going to talk about her journey with her ex-husband. We'll call him Michael. Is that fair, Doreen? Michael's not his name. We're just going to use that as sort of a pseudonym to protect his privacy. But we're just going to talk about her journey when the situation with the alcohol and the substance abuse and a lot of mental health issues, too, that led up to the breakdown of her marriage and how the divorce played out with all of these balls in play. Doreen, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know it's like five o'clock on a Thursday and you've like worked a long day, but I really appreciate you taking the time to carve out and just talk about the trauma, really, of what you had to go through with Michael and the two kids. So welcome. I'm glad to be here. You were a big part of getting me through um, everything that I had to go through, and I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad we had a chance to work together. So let's start off. It was a 20-year marriage to really long-term. Michael was a union carpenter, and you guys had two kids who were high school, college age, right around the time of the divorce. And you, if I recall, you guys were divorced in 2018. I think it was 19, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So, so talk about, you know, the marriage and how Michael's alcoholism progressed and what really led up to the breakdown of the marriage. We, we were married for 20 years. There were, so when we, he had, he had a drinking issue when we first got married. We, I, I, for about 14 years of that 20 year marriage, he was sober. He was, you know, a loving, caring dad. He was, we were a good family. We had our issues. Everybody has their issues. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't by any means, you know, but it was better when he, when he wasn't drinking, but he, he always, you know, had suffered with depression and anxiety. And when my daughter was born, you know, it was, if you don't stop drinking, you know, I'm taking her and I'm leaving because I didn't want her to grow up in that environment. So he 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 loved her so much that he quit drinking for 14 years. Yeah. And that time, you know, and and that time we struggled with other issues, you know, struggled with, you know, like I said his depression, anxiety and how he dealt with it, but we were, you know, our kids were young and we were focused on raising them raising them in a good home, giving them, you know, a loving place and a safe place to live. Mm-hmm. So how did you first become aware of um, Michael's struggles with the alcohol? 14 years in, he sort of relapsed. How did that transpire? Um, yeah, so it was, it was a, I would say it was kind of a gradual thing. It was, um, he had been sober for a long time. The kids had gotten older. Um, they were, you know, starting high school and he want, he felt like he, you know, he had, he wanted to be social. Mm. And so he's like, I'm just going to have a beer or two. And then I would say, you know, he probably did that for about a year. And then it turned into 
you know, adding nips or, you know, and that, and that was his real struggle was when he started to drink hard alcohol. It was just a change to who he was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a downhill from there. Mm-hmm. So during this time, how, what were some of the emotional and psychological challenges you were facing while you were trying to support him through this? I mean, were you sort of enabling him? I mean, were you in denial? What were you facing during this time? So I always hid his alcoholism from the majority of my friends and family as best as I could. I didn't talk to them about it, except for my very close friends, the ones the ones who'd been through what I'd been through before, you know, that, that you know, the ones that were really understand and could connect with me. For the most part, I, I hid his alcoholism. And I guess I did kind of enable him because, you know, I, we had decided that I was going to stay, stay home and take care of the kids. Mm-hmm. And so he was, at that time, he was like the the sole breadwinner. He was the support of the family, the financial support. So it was very scary, the thought of possibly not having that and having to figure things out for myself. That was always a huge fear for me. And so I guess in in my own way, you know, I did, you know, hiding things for him, you know, hiding it from people so people wouldn't know what was going on. I guess in that way, yes, I did enable him. I never supported his drinking. I didn't buy it for him. I didn't do that. But in a way, you know what I mean? Because I didn't speak to his family about it. I didn't speak to my family about it. Yeah, Um, right. I hid the truth for him. Right. So how did Michael's alcoholism start to affect the family? In what way did it start to impact your relationship, your family life, and the overall well-being of your family dynamic? So... I think it affected me the most because I knew from before the kids were born what I went through. And I guess I kind of had like a, it was kind of like a PTSD thing where I knew what was coming mm-hmm. and, or what could happen. Okay. And I didn't want that in my life again. And what started happening? Like, give me some examples of, was there crazy? Um, was there fighting? You know, what was going on? you know, anger, you know what I mean? He, he gets angry, he would get angry, whatever, but, and then it was, you know, he'd pass out on the, you know what I mean? He'd be passing out, Mm. you know, and things like that. And it was just, it hadn't gotten too heated earlier in our relationship before the children. Yes. It was anger, throwing things, breaking things, things like that. It was never abuse. He never, you know, never touched me. It was not like that, but I was afraid that that all of that was going to start up again. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I had a conversation with him and said, you know, your drinking is going to ruin our relationship. Mm-hmm. Tough, he, really tough. Yeah, it Basically was painted it was, into yeah. a corner, essentially. Yeah, yes, yeah. and and I was, and 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 to be fair, you know, I kind of was at the point where I wasn't ready to go through all that with him again. Mm. Did you seek any professional help or counseling during this time when he started his slow decline? So I had always asked him before he, before he even started drinking if he would please see, the, you know, a therapist because of his depression and anxiety, you know, because he always had anger issues, whether he was drinking or not. It was, and he's, it could be explosive, things like that, but it it's, 
it never he he would never accept that it wouldn't no matter how many helpful conversations I had and you know asking him to please get some help he just didn't he didn't want to go there as far as couples therapy no I I didn't I didn't I I guess part of me felt like if he wasn't going to go to therapy for himself why was he going to go with me and no I didn't ask him did did you have any kind of a support network for yourself, family? I had a lot of family and friends, you know, that tried to hold me up. So even know, while you were trying time. to conceal it and hide it, right? Yeah. Because the friends that I did have knew what, what was going on. They tried to be supportive with me. They tried right. to, you know, when it, it was hard to, you know, keep it hidden from, you know, a lot of people, but then to you know, have the few people that, that knew what was going on, being able to talk to them right. was good, but it was also, you know, me realizing that when I'm talking to them, knowing that I'm not going to change things, mm. that so, I, was, I was out of my control. So what were some of the key factors that led you to consider divorce? And what were the major obstacles you had to overcome during the decision-making process? That conversation that I had with him, you know, was about a year before I actually asked for a divorce. Mm-hmm. That I, where I told him, you know, that his drinking was going to ruin our marriage, and I, I felt like, I, I guess I don't want to say gave up, but I just didn't have it in me to go through this all again. I was, I was dealing with it for over a year. I, I just, and he would he was hiding it you know what i mean he was trying to hide the fact that he was drinking when he was drinking he could be rude and crude and and or lose his temper and so how was he hiding it were you finding bottles around the house oh yeah i was finding nips yeah yeah okay. he was trying to pretend like he wasn't doing it and i knew i knew by his behavior and uh-huh. he wasn't always and believe me he wasn't always mean or anything like that but we had we had other problems in our marriage. We were growing apart. Mm-hmm. It wasn't all because of the drinking. It mm-hmm. was, we were, wanted different things out of life. I wanted to, to go on vacations, right. take our kids, you know, do things. He never wanted to do anything like that. Right. He didn't support like, you know, planning a vacation with kids. We never went anywhere. We didn't, we, you know, I would struggle with having, you know, let's go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to take the kids. I have to make him like, we're going to take the kids to the movies. Right. Or I just take them myself. Right. Right. Myself. And I wanted more from my life. Right. I was, I don't want to say it was a midlife crisis. I was, you know, 50 years old and I, mm-hmm. I was in my fi- early 50s and I knew what I didn't want for the rest of my life. And I right. didn't want to be staying home and not doing anything. My kids were getting older. Yeah. I, you know, I wanted, I wanted to have a life you know what I mean it was and it didn't have to be a lot but I'd like you know date nights and things like that and that I'm we never had just wasn't in the cards with him no 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 so when when it was finally time to push go for the divorce it wasn't really easy at all I mean we had a fight the whole way I mean and he had a pretty good lawyer too I mean his lawyer was pretty reasonable and I think his lawyer pretty frustrated with him Halfway in, and right. there was some restraining orders. Tell, right. talk a little bit about you know when you pushed go, 
what happened, what the fallout was. When I told him that I wanted the divorce, he, it's just like he went over the edge. Mm-hmm. He stopped, he stopped drinking immediately for a short time, but he was not in his right mind. He was, and, it, and he was obsessive. And how? And how was he obsessive? From the time he got home from work till the time, till God knows what time, he would just be at me, like constantly on me. Mm-hmm. To the point where I was hardly getting any sleep. Um, is this before or after he was served with the papers? Before, before. Okay. Mm-hmm. So his just his reactions. He wasn't. I had to say he wasn't well. Mm-hmm. And then there was a point where where we had to where he had to leave the house mm-hmm. because of this situation. You know the situation that was created at home. And then once he he had to leave, and he how did he, he just, leave? Well, he was voluntarily or, or what? No, happened? no, no. We had a situation that if he hadn't left, it could have been like reported. You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, I don't want to go into too much detail about that, but I didn't want to lose my kids. Right. So mm-hmm. it was, it was, I told him he had to go. Mm-hmm. He had to leave. Right. And he was a liability at that point. Yes, and absolutely. And and that was so hard for him. And he just went off the deep end with his drinking after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And then from there on, it was just, it just spiraled downwards. Right. With restraining orders and. Yeah, it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the frustrating part for me in the whole process was just that, you know, he wouldn't listen to his lawyer. Everything was just a fight all the way, mm-hmm. you know, he wouldn't right. listen to the judge, he wouldn't would want to listen to the lawyer. And it, again, he was not in his right mind. And no, he wasn't. Alcoholism. He, wasn't. That he was very him. angry. Right. He was, you know, the alcohol took over. He wasn't, he wasn't in his right mind. Right. Did you feel isolated or judged by anyone while you're going? Oh, yeah. Those? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a bit about that. You know, okay. there were, you know, people that I felt like I always had... Not with everyone, but with a lot, with most people, I had to justify why I didn't want to be married to him anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I had to justify it. Like, I had to explain it to everybody. It wasn't just okay that that was my choice. It wasn't okay. I had to tell them why. What did he do? What makes him so bad? Um, that was hard because I didn't right. want to relive that over right. and over with every conversation. And you had tried so hard to hide it too, right? So right, exactly, exactly, exactly. So, you know, the people that knew prior knew what was going on, un- understood, but the people that, you know, that I hid it from had a harder time dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And then some people didn't think, you know, and then they, you know, the, you get the, you know, till death do you part. Right. Right thing, you know, where they, you know, you married him, you knew what you knew who he was, right? You you need you need to stay with him, and that's not okay because, you know, we all grow, we all change, right? So, Um, how did you cope with those feelings? You know, while you were going through that period of isolation, I went to a therapist. Okay, myself for a year, I had to because it was so much I couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. Did and that I was, was it? I was breaking down. I was losing it, and I really needed to be strong for my kids. So I need. So I, you know, sort 
therapist and the kids did too. Mm-hmm. Was it helpful? Yes, for all of us. It was okay. helpful and needed. Mm-hmm. And what about financial challenges during the whole thing? Stephen would, uh, Michael was working and that was a blessing, really, yes. right? So yes. he wasn't in a detox or right, right. like that. So, but were there any financial challenges while he was out of the house? Yes, because there was no child support agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I had to borrow money from family, not just to pay for the divorce, but, you know, for a mortgage payment or for, you know, food, you know what I mean? So I had to borrow money, which I'm still paying back. Mm-hmm. And with self-care, I mean, let's talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that. You know, was there anything that you did in terms of like a schedule that you found helpful, meditation, exercising? Exercising was definitely like I would spend, you know, I do a workout before, you know, in the morning, go for a walk, a jog, whatever, just to get rid of some of the help with some of the anxiety. And like I said, and and, and take and being in therapy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was definitely helpful. Looking back on the whole situation, what advice, if any, would you give to someone who's in the process of divorcing an alcoholic or thinking about, you know, starting the process? I would say talk to a therapist. Mm -hmm. You'll need someone that doesn't judge you, Mm -hmm. that you can that can listen to you objectively. Can see things from both sides, you know what I mean? Because sometimes maybe I was being unreasonable about something and Mm -hmm. and. I would also say, you know, support your kids' mental health. Right. Keep that in mind because even though you may think they don't know what's going on or they don't know everything that's going on or whatever, they 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 feel it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They know more than you think probably. Mm-hmm. And try to have a plan. If you decide you want to get divorced, then try to have a plan to secure yourself financially. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do for money? Because I didn't really have that plan. I you know what I mean? Because thankfully, you know, I, I, I took some steps. So at least I knew the mortgage was going to get paid. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I didn't know what I was going to do because he, I was only working part time and I made very little money. So I didn't have the resources mm-hmm. to handle everything on my own. Right. And how did the kids' relationship with Michael? change or evolve during the course of the divorce so when he was at his worst they didn't really see him very they didn't really see him because he was in a bad state and they didn't feel comfortable mm-hmm. but that eventually changed and i think that they have a much better relationship with him now that's good that's good you know yeah did you face any moments of personal growth? Was there sort of any, you know, aha moment when you overcame some of these obstacles and you felt like, you know what, I may have really grown from this? I guess my, my biggest moment of personal growth was going out and getting a job again, mm-hmm. a full-time job, having to get back into the workforce again, which I hadn't done for many years. I mean, I had work jobs but not in, you know, in an office for a long time. So thankfully, with the help of many friends, I have continuously moved into better jobs 
over the past few years. And now I'm successful in the job that I love. So I wouldn't have been able to do that without the help of friends. So I'm very grateful for that. But that was definitely a lot of personal growth there. Right, right. So let's see, 2019, we're yeah. now 2023. So it's been four years since the yeah. divorce. Yeah. Um, and is Michael sober? Is he still struggling with alcohol? What's your relationship with, with like with him now? We don't really have a relationship right now. I would hope that one day we could, but as of right now, we don't. However, the kids do, and that's what matters. You know, they're adults, but it's it's really important that they have a relationship with their dad. I it's I think it will take us time to get there, but I hope that we get there. And and I wish him nothing but the best in the future. I I I want him to be happy. I want him to find his happiness. I have found happiness in my life and I hope to continue doing that. So your life has changed mm. dramatically. You've got yeah. a job, you've got a career, yeah. um, you've got a relationship, a new relationship, right? Yeah. So in, in what other ways has your life changed? Are you able to, do you feel like you're more resilient to Oh, absolutely. Obstacles? Talk absolutely. about that a little bit. <laughs> I feel like I am so different than I've ever been through my throughout my whole life. That this experience and the people that supported me helped me become a much stronger person. I have much more confidence in myself and I I'm doing more fun things. I'm traveling and which I've never done and I'll I will continue to do that. I just got my passport. I never had. I'm so excited about that. I I have so much to look forward to. And I'm in a relationship now where I'm very cared for, cared for. And I don't mean that financially. I mean cared for like emotionally. Mm-hmm. Very kind. So, and he makes me happy. So, yeah. and we, you know, we do things together and I'm just, you know, watching my kids grow and become what they're meant to be mm-hmm. and it's it's new i mean it's it's a different life now and it's not what i expected you know if looking back you know 15 20 years ago i didn't know where i'd be here right now mm-hmm. but i am happy mm-hmm. in your mind what are some misconceptions of surrounding divorce in an with an active alcoholic involved you know, how do you think society could better support people like you who are married to active alcoholics and who are facing the prospect of divorce? I would ask the people just, it's hard to be in someone else's shoes. It's hard to know what they go through. And, you know, people, not every alcoholic is the same. Mm-hmm. Not every alcoholic, you know what I mean? That it's, it, 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 there are different situations. So don't judge the person for leaving their spouse because they're an alcoholic. And like I said, the death do us till death do us part. That's, I feel like some people, you know, feel that I should have stuck with it no matter what. I married him. Mm-hmm. And, I didn't feel that way. I felt like 
I grew. I had I had my own self esteem issues, you know, when I was younger, so that I didn't. Maybe I didn't think I deserved better, but I do now. You've been able to establish boundaries and better mm-hmm. recognize your self worth. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, awesome. I'm so happy for you, Doreen. Thank you. Stories. Like, but like I said, you are a big part of me getting to where I am today. And I thank you so much for your support. Welcome. You have been a great friend to me. I really appreciate it. You've always been kind and understanding. And and, um, those are wonderful qualities in a lawyer. Thank (laughs) you. Thanks. All right. Well, that's it. Thanks again, Doreen. And see everybody next time. Thanks for tuning into the Right Family Law Divorce Podcast. Thank you, Ellen. Thanks for tuning in to the Right Family Law Divorce Podcast. Remember, the information shared in our episodes is for informational purposes only and should not be considered legal advice. Stay informed. Stay empowered. This is the Right Family Law Divorce Podcast.